Hello and welcome to Fertility Springboard, the podcast series brought to you by Fertility Help Hub. I'm Eloise, founder of Fertility Help Hub, and over the series I will be bringing you conversations with some of the most influential and inspiring professionals and experts around the world to arm you with useful and empowering thoughts and resources to ease your fertility journey. And don't forget to sign up to the newsletter to make sure you don't miss out on anything. It's packed full of inspiring interviews, resources, discounts and offers, competitions and real life stories. Welcome to my guest today, Tristan Rees, who is the founder of Trans Fertility Co. It's a platform to help support and educate transgender it's a platform to help support and educate trans gestational parents. Welcome, Tristan. Nice to have you here. Um, please introduce yourself. Of course. So wonderful to be here. Well, I'm from across the pond. Um, I'm actually Canadian by birth, but I'm living in Portland, Oregon. So happy to be with you. And I think you're going to kill me because it's uh, three o'clock my time and very, very early for you right now. So thank you so much for coming on here today. Of course. I've actually, I actually was going to be up anyway because I do have a toddler. Of course. Yeah, perfect. Okay, well, that worked all right then. <laughs> um, so um, please could you just introduce yourself a little bit and uh, the incredible support community that you're, you've built and then got some questions to ask you today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a transgender man myself. And, you know, I, I never imagined that I would ever be a parent. But my partner and I became parents um, quite literally overnight. Um, we were an emergency family placement for my partner's um, sister's children, my partner's niece and nephew. Um, things became untenable in their house. And we got a phone call from a social worker asking if they could come and stay with us for a little while. And they have still yet to leave. And they are 10 and 13 now. Um, and so, you know, I, becoming a parent was not something I would planned to do or wanted to do. But once I started doing it, you know, I really gained an appreciation for the, for the process. And, and we knew we wanted to grow our family. And we just knew that we couldn't go through another adoption process that had been so difficult for everyone. Um, and we had done that. So we felt like we sort of earned our points there. And so we wanted to grow our family by having a biological child. And I'm a transgender man and my partner is, is not a transgender man. And, uh, and so we were able to have our own biological kid. And from there, you know, I just looked back on that experience and thought, wow, what if I had a place where I could go um, to watch videos of other people who'd been through this process, to read articles, um, to you know, bring to my doctor uh, so they would have a better sense of, of what my unique needs might be throughout the process. Um, and so I just, uh, I just created it this year. So that's a little bit of my story. Amazing, amazing. I look forward to hearing more about that. Um, before we get there, I wanted to ask you, um, you you've mentioned a bit, a bit about the fact that you um, are a trans man. Um, you were assigned female at birth. And so when did you kind of, let's say, know in inverted commas um, that you were a man? Yeah, it is a little, com- com- little bit of a complicated question. And so I appreciate the uh, the 
you know, the quotation marks, or did you call them inverted commas? Oh gosh, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay. That is a very, that must be one of the British things we've been watching. Yeah. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race UK. And it has been shocking to us how many, I mean, there's probably 30 references per episode. We have no idea what they're talking about. Do you know what I mean? There's like all kinds of phrases and it's, it's really, it's really funny. Um, so I like the inverted commas, but yeah, it is, it is, it's complicated. Um, well, technically, yes, I did wake up one day, literally in the middle of the night um, with the revelation that I was, uh, well, that I was a man. Um, and so I guess it is, it was a little cut and dry, even though it feels like it isn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, one day I must have been 20 or 21. Um, and it, it just struck me in the middle of the night. I woke up and I was like, oh my God, here is this thing that I knew immediately was true um, and hadn't really been ready to deal with um, in my childhood or adolescence. And then boom, there it was. And, um, and so I spent you know, the next few years uh, coming out to the people around me, letting them know I'm transgender and I, you know, I'm, I may transition physically, you know, I may take steps to align my body with my gender identity, but I'd like to go by a new name. I'd like to, you know, I'd like you to use he and him pronouns for me. Um, and it was just a sort of a slow evolution from there coming to terms with who I am, um, telling my friends and family, and then aligning my body so that I could feel more comfortable and you know with that sort of realization and with coming out to people um looking back on my life a lot of different things made much more sense um and i'm certainly now much 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 happier than i have ever been before and, and certainly had been bef before I, I was able to really understand that i was that i was transgender Oh, I'm so glad. So, so these, did you have these thoughts and these feelings when you were a boy? Oh, sorry, a girl? I mean, it's hard. It's just really difficult to say because I'm 37, um, which means that we're talking about when I, you know, when I came out, it was, you know, 15 years ago. And when I was a child in the 80s, we just didn't have the language, you know? And so if I felt uncomfortable with my body, if I felt that I should have been born a man, if I felt that I was a gay man, there wasn't anywhere to put those thoughts or feelings. We just didn't have, we just didn't have any words. So it was like, oh, I was a tomboy, ha ha ha. You know, and then when I got into high school, it was like, oh, you know, I'm a, my friends used to say that I was a gay man trapped in a woman's body, ha ha ha. You know, all we had were jokes. We didn't have any real understanding or language or community. And I was in a very, I was raised in a very small town. My parents moved from Vancouver, British Columbia, to the middle of the desert in California, which is, it was extremely conservative next to a military base. Um, you know, we just, I just didn't have the words. All I had was this feeling that there was something wrong with me um, or that I was broken in some way. And so it was just a lot of years of being deeply, deeply unhappy about who I was and thinking, you know, I just can't live like this. And then figuring out what that thing was, it was like, oh, this is great. I'm not broken. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just transgender. And there is a solution <laughs> for this problem, um, which are words, identities, labels, communities. And eventually for me, not for everyone, but for me, um, also 
taking hormones, you know, to align my body with how I felt I was inside. So the rest of the world could see all of who I am and not just, you know, this sort of weird biological mask that I had been born wearing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm sure you will have seen it, but um, Louis Theroux, who's British, um, did a documentary in America uh, with tran- transgender children um, and was talking to them and their parents about their feelings about transitioning and what that meant for things like fertility um, and taking hormones before puberty and transitioning um before during puberty I guess for you it sounds as though um, you had already obviously been through puberty uh, by, by the time that you made this uh, decision um, so what what are your thoughts around that and, and was fertility something that had been playing on your mind yeah you know I really can't speak to um, transgender youth and fertility I'm not a doctor I, I was not a transgender youth um, And so, you know, that's, I think, a really complicated uh, discussion. There really are three things that keep me up at night, and one of them is trans youth and fertility, because we know that it is life-saving to allow a transgender young person to not have to go through a puberty that is out of alignment with who they know themselves to be. Um, It it is literally life-saving to let them do that. And... We just don't know the long-term impacts on their fertility when, when we give them the power to make that decision for themselves. And so it's not that we shouldn't do that. We should. It saves their life. It's a known benefit versus an unknown risk. And, you know, I think any doctor will tell you, you do the known benefit versus the unknown risk. Um, and I just wish we had more options for them. That's it. You know, as someone who's in the advocacy space around fertility and trans bodies, I just wish they had more options. Um, but for me personally, when I was, you know, 20, 21, 22, coming out, starting on, uh, you know, starting to transition hormonally, the internal desire to transition trumped everything you literally probably could have told me that I had to sacrifice several of my fingers in order to transition. And I would have done it in a heartbeat. Wow. Um, so, and I, I mean, I never imagined becoming a parent as you know, the data shows that most transgender people early in their processes, early in their transitions, don't ever imagine becoming a parent. I couldn't imagine living, you know, more than the next two years when I started transitioning, I just didn't see a, a future for myself. I just didn't. And so, you know, I, I, I had to literally sign a piece of paper saying that testosterone was going to make me sterile. And I don't even remember hesitating before picking up the pen and putting my name to the page. I just wanted to not feel crazy anymore. I just wanted the world to see who I was. Um, and that, that was more important than, than everything. And that's really a big reason why I've started to do the work that I do um, because I want people at that stage to just be able to hit pause for one second and to imagine a potential future version of themselves where they are loved and where they have community support and where maybe they have a job, maybe they have a partner or partners or supportive family. You know, I, I, I don't want people to slam the door shut um, and lock it when it comes to potential future family building. Mm, absolutely you're doing incredible things for people um so can you tell us a little bit about the sort of fertility side of things how did what was the process like uh, to have your son yeah um it was very very 
very straightforward. Um, as a transgender man, um, I had been on testosterone for many years. And if you kind of think about it, and you've had a baby, and so you kind of already know this, but many people don't, that, you know, when you are born with a uterus, you know, most people who are born with a uterus are born with all the eggs that they will ever have. The, the you know, the reproductive system, it's not, an, um, it's not an egg factory. It's more like an egg processing plant, right? You have the immature eggs and then roughly one every month gets fertilized and released. But Shibati is absorbing eggs at a pretty fast pace throughout your entire life. And testosterone, it only hits pause on the the processing plant sort of um, part of the of that whole process. It just prevents you from ovulating um, if taken correctly. It, does, it doesn't prevent everyone from ovulating, but it doesn't touch the basket of eggs that are immature sitting in your body. It doesn't stop the process of your the eggs being reabsorbed into your body on an ongoing basis. It just prevents you from ovulating and thus either menstruating or getting pregnant. And so we've seen time and time again, study after study shows us that testosterone just doesn't seem to impact the health, the quality, the quantity of eggs. And so for me, I just had to stop taking my testosterone, regain my ovulatory cycle, um, waste, wait, you know, just a couple of months to, you know, we don't, we're not sure exactly how it works, but we hope that the uterus is going to return to some sort of a natural stasis where it's going to be able to sustain a pregnancy. And then, you know, my partner and I made a baby the old fashioned way, same as, you know, millions of people all over the planet every single day. <laughs> So there was no uh, doctor kind of fertility specialist intervention needed? Not at all. And I did go to, I've, you know, once I first started thinking, um, this might be something that I want to do, you know, when I went in for my, my normal annual exam, I said, hey, is there anything that you can do to, to assess whether I might be fertile? And at that point, I had known probably dozens of transgender men, men around the world who had ha given birth to babies. And so I knew it was possible. Um, and I had started digging into the research. And so I knew, you know, medically speaking, it's the same as for anyone else. Um, but you certainly of all people know, even if there are no visible compounding issues, you can still experience infertility, right? Bodies mm -hmm. are complicated. Pregnancy is... is natural and nature is messy. <laughs> Anyone who's ever lived on a farm knows how messy pregnancy and childbirth is. And so, you know, the, they were able to do an ultrasound and look at my um, follicles and see like, no, actually everything looks fine. Um, and so other than that and preconception um, counseling, just, you know, here's what you should do to get ready and you should start taking prenatal vitamins. Other than that, we had um, zero interventions. And that's obviously not true for all trans people, but it certainly is true for many. You know, you can stop taking your testosterone and um, you can absolutely conceive and carry, a, you know, a pregnancy and give birth to a happy, beautiful baby or have complications just like anybody else would, but not at any greater, greater um, rate. And, and what did it feel like being pregnant as a man and how did the people around you perceive it? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how it felt to be pregnant as a man because I don't have anything else to compare it to. <laughs> true, very true. Um, and it's funny, you know, often women who have been pregnant ask me this. They, you know, they'll say I actually never felt more connected to my 
role as a woman um, than when I was pregnant. And so they, they want to know how did I process that. But, you know, in my universe, we know now, right, that we're all in our own little bubbles more. We know that now more than we've ever known it throughout history. Um, we're all, we all are surrounded by people who mostly think like us, who mostly look like us. And in my little bubble, trans men have babies all the time. And so when I was pregnant, it didn't, it, the idea of pregnancy as being just for women, um, it just doesn't exist for me anymore. Maybe me at 20, sure. But by 25, I had already known several trans men who'd given birth. So as my body changed, I just didn't really see it as, oh no, my body's becoming more feminine. Mm -hmm. I just saw it as my body is adjusting to accommodate the life that it's growing inside of it. And so everything that happened was just like, oh, I'm also a nerd. And so that helped, you know? So everything that happened, I was just like, oh, this is so cool. Look at what my body can do. Like who, who knew? I mean, some people knew. I didn't really know all the cool things that a body does to grow a human being. And so that part was just really cool and weird for me. And, you know, I just didn't really see it as like a feminine thing. It just didn't feel that way to me. It just felt like creating life and science and, and the sacred. Did you get any kind of negative uh, comments or thoughts or were people pretty switched on and kind of uh, accepting of it? Yeah, I mean, it was a, because we ended up telling our story publicly, in a very intentional way, but there's only so much intention you can put into the internet. Some things just sort of spin off on their own without any input from you. And so it was really the best of the best and the worst of the worst. You know, here in Portland where we live, so much of the community here saw our story very early on because it was kind of a big deal in local news. And I was really, I was pleasantly shocked <laughs> um, because there was such a high level of support. You know, I would just like go to the coffee shop and then the bar barista would say, oh, your tea is on me. Like I saw your guys' story on the news. Congratulations. Um, parents of kids in our kids, our older kids' school, you know, they would send home baby gifts, you know, baby shower gifts with the kids. You know, my son would just like roll his eyes and be like, this is from Oliver's mom and, you know, give us a present <laughs> for the baby, you know, just because people wanted to show their support. They, um, I think they wanted to go above and beyond um, to kind of offset any of the negative stuff we would get. And, um, and even seeing my extended friends groups on Facebook, for example, you know, there was a gay couple in LA that we had been friends with and I had never told them that I was trans. And, there are so few spheres in my life where I don't tell literally everyone. I just kind of, when we met them, we met them at church and I just kind of wanted to know what would it be like to just be friends with another gay couple where me being trans wasn't part of the equation. You know, I just didn't, I don't know. I just never came out to them and it never came up and then it was too late to come out to them. You know, we've been friends with them for like a year and was like, Oh no, well now I can't tell them because now it feels like a secret anyway. But they, you know, I saw that one of them posted, on Facebook, a, a link to our, a story about us. And it said, you know, we, we never knew that our friend Tristan was a member of the, the trans family, but we're thrilled about the growth, you know, their families, you know, the, the growth of their family or whatever. 
So it was just surprise after surprise after surprise of people being delightful. The other, the final story I'll share about the delightfulness was it wasn't just people we knew and in our inner circle, but, you know, I think the best Facebook message I received was from a straight woman in the Midwest here in the States, which is an area where people commonly assume that, that, they're, that people are going to be a little bit less accepting, a little bit less liberal. You know, and this woman said that she didn't know anyone who was gay or transgender, but that she too had adopted her, um, her niece, um, having never given birth to children herself. And she said that she thought that it was uh, a, a miracle that my body could create new life while also giving me the life that I deserved. And that was just really amazing. I'm so glad to hear. I'm so glad to hear these positive stories because, um, I I mean, to some extent, you know, telling my own story through the community that I've built with Fertility Help Hub, just even of using donor sperm and my husband's infertility, it's kind of nerve wracking putting putting it out there for the first time because you don't know how people are going to respond. But actually, what it does for the majority of of cases is show other people that they're not alone with their feelings and their issues and their thoughts um and it really you know it shows people that it's okay to not feel okay and to need help with certain things and i know that i have an extraordinarily privileged experience you know at living in a liberal city being white uh not being unconventional in terms of my gender outside of having a baby. (laughs) Um, It's, I know that a lot of that, a lot of my experiences are colored by the fact that I have a lot of privilege. Um, And it wasn't all easy, you know, online, not in person, but online, we got a lot of really, really horrible backlash. Mm -hmm. Um, But because it was online and because I have such a supportive, really international community around me, you know, my friends, they signed up in shifts around the world so that my like public facing social media pages could be monitored by them 24 hours a day so that I didn't have to keep reading these negative comments about me. Um, They could just delete and block people so that I didn't have to see it. Um, You know, it was like I really had an invisible army around me all the time throughout my entire pregnancy and into postpartum. So, you know, I know how incredibly lucky I am. You know, it's another reason why I want to build some resources so that other people who don't have all the privileges I have can still have a positive experience. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great that you've had such a supportive network around you. And how has it felt being um, a parent? And um, do you, have you talked to your son? I mean, you said he's three. Have you talked to him about the transition and does he understand it? You know, because he is so young, um, you know, I don't talk to him about the transition. Um, he just, I don't think, yeah, he's just not there. And, you know, the way that what's developmentally appropriate with kids is that you share some things with them proactively and you share a lot of things with them reactively, you know? So when they ask mm-hmm. questions, that's when they're ready to know. Um, so some of the things we don't do proactively is, you know, actually a really lovely, um, uh, book company called little feminist made a board book, um, about all different kinds of families. And they asked if they could use one of my pictures for it. And I said, yes. And then they sent us the book. And so it's just a sweet little board book with all different kinds of families. And there's me pregnant in it. And so, 
whenever, you know, Leo is my toddler and he'll go grab that book and sit in my lap and I'll read it to him. And when we get to that page, he'll say, that, that daddy, that daddy. And I'm like, yes, that's me. And he'll say, that me, that me in your tummy. And I'm like, yep. And so that's sort of be at three, that's sort of what he's able to understand. Um, and I don't think, you know, he just doesn't, he just doesn't yet know that. And because honestly, because of the quarantine too, it's like, we're even more normal to him than we would normally be because we're not at the play place where he can see pregnant women. I mean, he has started to call both of us mommy very occasionally. I think just because of the, the, sh the little like TV shows that he's watching or whatever. Um, and, but other than that, you know, it's like, he just doesn't know that we're not quote unquote normal. Um, and honestly, I would like to keep it this way for as long as possible, just so he doesn't have really early imprints of feeling different, of feeling left out, of feeling like kids were teasing him. I like the fact that for this tiny bit of time, we've been able to um, build up his core sense of self as much as possible before he goes out into the world um, and has to experience a lot of what our big kids have had to experience of kids on the playground asking, you know, where's your mom? Um, you know, that's obviously it's painful for them in a unique way that he won't have to experience, but, um, uh, but yeah. And, you know, he asks why our bodies are different. And I just tell him, you know, some, some boys are boys like you and they have the body parts that you have. And some boys are boys like me and have the body parts that I have. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's quite similar in a, in a way in terms of, um, well, as you know, um, I have a three-year-old too. So kind of, just as you said being reactional to certain comments and also proactively saying certain things and it's it's just the sort of sense isn't it that it's what the child has grown up always knowing rather than having um a kind of shocking discovery um later on in life and that's really just what i tell people is what's most important is that there is not secrets that's it i mean that's what the data tells us over and over and over again is just you just can't have a situation where you sit down with your kid when they're 20 and say, by the way, we have to tell you something. You know, it's that you integrate it in in healthy, developmentally appropriate ways throughout their whole life. And when they have questions about it, they can ask you. And, you know, maybe for our older kids, we, you know, we have a, a holiday, a family holiday we celebrate every year where we honor and commemorate them coming to live with us. And that's a special place where they're able to ask any new questions that might have come up for them that they haven't felt there was a place to ask at any other time in the year. And, you know, and I think that it's important to do those kinds of things, whether it's to make your own, you know, now there's like a million companies, right, where you can uh, just type in the kids' names and then they'll make a book that says, here's the story. And, you know, for, I guess for you, it'd be like daddy and mommy needed help. And so, a, you know, a, a very, a, a kind person gave us a gift that helped us make you, you know, whatever that is. So exactly. yeah, we're just, we're just so lucky to live now having looked at some of the really poor ways that fertility and infertility has been handled in the past and learned from it. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. So what's next for the trans fertility company yeah i mean right now I'm, it, it is and probably will be for a long time it's just my passion project you know it's i don't make any money off of it at all it's truly my act of service i guess um to to other trans people so they can just imagine 
the possibility of having a family at some point and that they have the resources to be able to do it. And so it's just to continue to build the site and be really responsive. You know, I can only build what I wish that I'd had. Um, and so I'm in lots of conversations all the time with other trans people. Um, what do you wish you had known or what do you want to know? What do you need? Um, and then build that, whether it's articles or interviews or webinars or other resources, whatever it is. Um, that's, that's really my goal with it is to just have it be responsive and constantly evolving and something where any trans person at any point on their journey can hop on and, um, and see their, their, their story reflected. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tristan, for telling us all about your personal story and also for what you do to help other people nowadays. Um, and, uh, all the links are in the podcast. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, and folks can find us on social media. We're on Instagram at just transfertility, and the website is transfertility.co. Perfect. Thank you very much. Of course. Thank you. Yay.